This episode of Adventures in Aurelia is brought to you by Gabe and Jeff from Inner Party Conflict, Chai Kai, Fred on Fire, Avora Dawn, and Dungeons and Randomness on Patreon. You can join them in supporting the show at patreon.com slash adventures in Aurelia. And welcome to Adventures in Aurelia, a podcast where five friends sit around the table and record themselves playing Dungeons and Dragons. I'm Krista, and I play Ariel, who's an Asmar sorceress. I'm Chris, I play Rim, a human paladin. I'm Chantel, and I play Kanina, a tiefling sorcerer. I'm Caitlin, I play Tempest, a water genasi ranger. And I'm Damien, and I'm playing a bunch of gnolls and dwarves. <laughs> so, who remembers what happened last time? <laughs> That's how every episode starts. The the girls got the sword. Rum made a map. We made a map. We met the black guard in the morning. We took off and we have arrived at the edge of the forest in the evening. We fought some sort of undead knoll thing. Rum doesn't trust Lydia. Rim doesn't what? Trust Lydia. She doesn't trust anybody. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Rem Rem's not a trusty fellow. I have a note that says Rem won't talk in front of Lydia. So yeah, so basically we have arrived at the edge of the forest, had one encounter, which we destroyed the undead thing, and that's where, kind of where we stopped, with much deliberation of how we were going to get the sword in between. <laughs> okay, um, this is going to be a very large session. To, to kind of speed things along, we'll start with everyone at camp. The night of the 30th of Bellinus, as you guys are basically taking your last rest after riding hard for like a full day, I believe is what it took to get here because you just yeah, rode we, straight through. we took through. off in the morning. Yeah, you guys woke up early, rode straight through with minimal resting, and you're kind of taking your one rest before you guys start making your way into the forest, hoping to kind of do this whole thing and the course of the next day. It's going to be a long rest. Yes, I mean... We're going to sleep overnight. Well, unless we're interrupted. Essentially, is there any kind of role play you guys would like to go through the night before? Or if you'd like to just start with straight to the morning? Uh, I I think as long as we have time in the morning, it might just be better to do it in the morning. Yeah, when we wake up. As long as we have time to role play a little bit beforehand. I mean, that that would make sense. You guys would probably be pretty tired, um, essentially, having rode all day hard. Mm-hmm. Well, Rim would probably spend an hour or two before sleeping, not in roleplay, but studying the map he drew. Alright, so, the party wakes up in the morning of the 31st of Bellinus. You guys wake up. Um, it's a slightly foggy, misty morning, and I imagine that considering what you guys have going on, you probably would have gone to sleep a little early. So you're probably waking up almost as early as you had done the previous day, like 4.30, 5 a.m. in the morning before sunrise and everything. Is there anything you guys wish to roleplay do as you wake up specifically? Well, Rim would be going to talk with the dwarves about a plan. Does Rem speak to anyone else in his party, or does he just... Well, I mean, I don't know what they're doing, but because they've been here before. These dwarves haven't. 
So he would be going to them. Plus, they're uh, the closest thing to a organized group of militants, as okay. opposed to a ragtag band of them. Okay. So this is your first adventure. <laughs> For Rem's ritual, he gets up and makes his way to a gathering of dwarves, and time stops. I would say Kanina's probably also getting up and doing some morning exercises because she's probably antsy for the day and, you know, she'll probably be sure to grab Ariel. (laughs) And she'll kind of uh, exercise within earshot of Rem and the dwarves so that if she does overhear things she wants to pitch in for, she will. Okay, so we know what Kanina and Ariel will be doing. Tempest. She will wake up and groggily go and sit with Rem and Dwarves to catch the last of, like, what's going on. But she is definitely not exercising. She is not a morning person. So, Tempest wakes up probably to Kanina hyping Ariel up for their exercise, sees Rem walking away, and I imagine gets up and goes to follow him over to the Dwarven Circle. Taking her sweet time. So, I imagine that the scene... Ram and Tempest walk up to is the dwarves probably gathered around um, offset from the fire that I imagine would have, would have been going to get food warmed up for the morning. You know, last meals and all. Nice and, uh, bacon. You know, you see them all sitting with their, their weapons out and they're checking all their gear, making sure everything's ready to go. Um, all the dwarves, you know, along with their standard this this very dark black armor that they have um, carry a shield and a warhammer seems to be the standard issue wear of the dwarven blackguard. Okay, so Rim would have basically laid his map out for all the dwarves to see, mostly to the to the girl dwarf that seemed to kind of be leading him, the cleric, and he's going to be kind of like pointing at things and be like, hey, this is where we approached from last time. Uh, we ran into at least two patrols. We're not sure if there's more. This is what I could see of the encampment. Looks like a few buildings, some uh, wagons are off to the side, and some uh, debris. So, just for for my own headcanon of this, how zoomed in is your map? It'd be what he could have seen from the tree. Okay. Uh, it, it'd be kind of a like a distant shot. You would be able to tell that there's like you know maybe three or four buildings. You kind of see the wagons. He couldn't get a head count so he doesn't know what's in there yeah but it'd be the kind of surrounding terrain things like that just basic basic information um but he would also be like this is where we were when we encountered the uh patrols uh they may still have or may be patrolling heavier than they were at the time we need to keep an eye out for that uh we will try your group and me especially try to travel as quietly as possible i know that's not easy in our armor we can send out our uh, ranger as a scout ahead of us to let us know if she can see any patrols that we can then set up for ambush. Try to keep our spellcasters in reserve to keep as many spells as possible for a larger engagement. Uh, we will be acting as the sweepers until we can reach the edge of the camp. Yes, there was some that were quite limber as well, so we'll want to keep an eye out for them because uh, they seem to... <laughs> hop quite through the trees quite quickly. <laughs> yes, they are very fast. They were in my face before I knew it last time we encountered them. Ah, it seems like you've killed a lot of these bastards, eh? Uh, we've killed a fair number. Yeah, I, you know, since you've been doing such a good job taking care of them, hopefully there's not a bunch of them, 
you know, they're not able to keep replenishing their numbers. Uh, we didn't get any kind of head count. I knew when we were approaching, but the first time we were attacked by these, we were attacked by a very large group, though. Well, uh, you know, that gives me a little bit of hope, so I guess we'll, we'll hope for the best. I would suggest approaching uh, through denser trees and forest and try doing, trying to avoid open ground. They seem to cover open ground very quickly. I appreciate the warning there. They're fast as hell. So, uh, what do you think our, our plan should be for uh, setting upon their camp? As we're armored, I believe we should be the tip of the spear. Uh, leave our ranged units. Do you have any? Are any of your uh, warriors for range? Uh, I mean, we do. We do all have a bit of uh, magical contingencies, but do any of you specialize in ranged? None of us are archers or anything. Should we possibly pick off a few on the edges before we go full on into their opening? Or? Well, we'll have to make that decision upon seeing what they've got. Of course, it'll all depend on kind of where they're laid out and such. Yes, I'd, but I'd like to keep, however, you, Tempest, and Ariel in more of a reserve as a uh, as you do much better at range. Allow us that are armored to engage them face-to-face, and then we can team up on taking them out and ganging up on them. You did say that there's denser forest and then there's uh, kind of open areas. Yes. What about having uh, all of us kind of take up stance in one of the the more open areas and draw them forward and all of your people, the ones that you're saying should be in reserve with their ranged weapons, kind of stay in the denser parts of the forest and be able to attack while we draw their their forces to us. I would like that to, to be able to happen. I'm I just don't know if, as they'd be coming from an encampment, if they would actually follow us into the forest after seeing this, or if they would retreat back to their own, and then we have to approach them. If we lure them into a false sense of security and not let them know how many of us there are, then we could lure them back into a uh, a trap, so to speak. We could also set up the area that we ambush them in with uh, other... Well, we have to hope we can actually get that close to them without being seen. I mean, we got fairly close last time, but we ran into some scouting parties, which, like you said, we will have to keep an eye out for. Yes, and the only difference being last time I was the only one that was quite as loud as I believe the six of us are going to be this time. You you all are very quiet, and uh, but we will not be. In these scouting parties, did any of them get away? Not that we know of, but again, we didn't see all of them. They could have had one escape that we never saw. Okay, so as, at least as far as we know, they shouldn't be on high alert or anything. I mean, we did leave the bodies there as well, so there's always a possibility that they might uh, have run across their corpses of their fallen comrades. I see. Well? I would not count on them being caught completely unaware. That's what I was about to say, that we should uh, probably plan for uh, plan for them to to know something's been under been attacking them within their own own yes, ranging area. The last the scouting parties we ran into was at least six, so they know that something out there can kill at least six of their number. So they may not be as willing to charge into a forest if they do not have overwhelming odds. Well, if uh, if they refuse to come to us, then me and me and my men were willing to lead the charge for you i will i will be there as well and a couple of them around the around the circle that you guys have kind of formed at this point are tapping their their war hammers on their shield and just die i would prefer to possibly split the armored party leave a few in in guard in rear guard with the uh the ranged folks 
and we an area we can also retreat to if we need to. Who are your best casters? And uh, she looks around and is like, well, um, none of us are really the like stronger than the other. We're all trained in the the same arts of casting. We all go through the same rigorous training. Um, I personally have a lot more experience, but not leading anything quite this big. Well, seeing as you lead your band, I would. I'll leave it up to you to choose two of you to remain in rear guard with the uh, the ranged forces while the three of others and myself will move forward and uh she she kind of looks looks around um and goes uh uh frederick i want you to uh help keep toral safe you know this is her first major mission and corgram and rourke i i know that you guys know what you're doing and uh they kind of look at her I and bump their chests together, and you notice that the two that she addressed appear to be twins. So Rim is also going to make sure that he pulls, like, a shirt out of his pack that's a darker or green color that he pulls down over his armor to kind of mute any kind of shine he happens to have. We're going to try to travel sw- swiftly and quietly. I well, know this uh, be an issue with myself <laughs> and your armor. I think you know as good as I do that uh, you kind of get one. But yes. As, as swift and as quiet as we can be, I know that's not going to be very. Yeah, exactly. And he's going to turn to Sleepy Tempest be like, you awake. You better get awake. You're going to be our eyes. Okay. Am I going up in a tree again? You're going out ahead. Oh. We'll be there. We'll never be far behind you. You can always retreat. And uh, at this point, Adriel uh, fishes into her pack pulls out a relatively small bottle, undoes a cork, takes a swig, and starts passing it around. Don't finish it off. We're gonna want another one when we get up there. What's this? Uh, it's, uh, it's a strong dwarven liquor. Got some earthy notes. A little bit of spices in there to bring out the flavors. Battle tradition? So the bottle gets passed around. Rim will just pass it. You won't actually take a swig. Tempest will take two Make up for Rem. I, I imagine then it probably went Rem to Tempest, and <laughs> to uh, Tempest. as Rem is passing it, she uh, looks over and is like, "Yeah, sure, you don't want." I, uh, I mean, I guess she took it for you. Um, uh, you there? You're supposed to be a le- in the lead. Careful. It helps me wake up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You bet it does. <laughs> and uh, as the bottle gets passed back, she. Slaps the cork back into it, tucks it into her bag. You see her wrap, like, probably some of her underclothes around it. And the dwarves all make their way over to kind of their, their quote-unquote side of the camp, start breaking down their stuff and uh, taking care of their horses, finding somewhere to hitch them up for the day. So uh, when we go over to, like, our area and stuff, Ariel will be like rummaging through her bag and notice that she's has these potions that she hasn't ever used before. <laughs> They've just kind of been sitting there forever. Uh, and she's like, oh, we probably could use these today. And then she, uh, she'll go up to each one of you and hand you each uh, a healing potion. She'll be like, uh, hey, I found this in my bag and I figured, you know, just in case 
to keep it on you in case, you know, I can't get to you to heal right away or something. Oh, thank you so much, Ariel. This yeah, keep it handy. for like emergency because, you know, I, I can heal. Of course. I should just say that to all of you guys. And then um, if it seems like we still have a few minutes, she's going to put some herbs and water into some sort of cup or something and over the fire and make some tea. So we will begin heading through the forest, trying to maintain some semblance of quiet. Maintaining quiet and also we're peering around to make sure no scouting parties stumbled across us. And hopefully Tempest is out ahead far enough to maybe get some scouting done. Tempest is out ahead scouting. Whole goal is to see them before uh, they see us. See them before they see us. Rem. Yes. Go ahead and roll me a flat d20. Four. What do I see? As the party makes their way through the forest, Tempest is put into a lead position to kind of scout her way through. About how far ahead do you think Tempest would be? Around 80 feet. All right. Go ahead and give me a perception roll. Seven. So Tempest is making her way through the forest. Um, I don't know how close to where you guys had previously entered you guys would have gone, but at some point she does end up kind of crossing over the markers that you guys had left before. Did you guys never to take them down on your way out? Yep, we left them up so that other parties could find them easily if we needed to. In case we weren't coming. As you find these markers, do you decide to follow the path you had laid before or to continue walking kind of alongside of it, but staying away from the path previously laid? I'd say parallel to the path because we don't want to exactly retrace our steps in case they've got their own traps. traps. (laughs) I mean, if you want to risk getting lost, that's on you. So she kind of... Gets a, gets a feel for where this path is. I imagine probably crosses over it once, doubles back a little bit later just to make sure that she's still going in the right direction. And after what has been literal hours upon hours of traveling through the forest, you guys can hear sounds off in the distance. It's hard to hard to really pick it out. If, if you didn't know what was here, you might mistake it for a pack of wolves meandering through a clearing. But you guys know what's in the forest. You guys know what you're making your way towards. So you have a pretty good idea of what you're walking up on. Tempest. Yes. What would you like to do? You're at least a couple hundred feet away. You, you don't. You, you don't actually see anything ahead of you. Is there a tree I can easily climb? Yeah, I mean, you're in a forest. You would have no problem finding a tree that you believe that you can climb. I would like to climb a tree. All right. And look through my spyglass in the direction that I think the camp is in. Okay, go ahead and roll me an athletics check. Nine. I rolled over five. (laughs) The rest of the party is, you know, starting to catch up to Tempest as she stops for a second and you see her turn and look over to a tree start trying to climb up it branch snaps breaks she slides down the tree a little bit looks for another handhold reaches up she gets up one branch and misplaces a a handhold 
falls down, catches herself just just barely on a tree, starts making her way back down. Are we like caught up to her at this point? Or are we? Still- yeah, you are. You guys are all just staring. Well, <laughs> having a problem, Shane? Yeah, the the dwarves have all kind of stopped. They don't know you guys very well, so they've all just kind of stopped, <laughs> tilted their head. No. Can you know, walk up over to Tempest? Be like, uh, Tempest, can I give you a boost up? Sure, I guess. Yeah. So yeah. Go ahead and make an athletics roll with advantage. Tempest is getting frustrated. Athletic? Yes. 19. Way better. Just had to get to those live branches. <laughs> so at, at this point, the, the distance ahead from scouting has kind of been made null and void. But you guys, I mean, as well, you would have heard it even beforehand. The, the sounds coming from a couple hundred feet away. And Tempest makes her way up the tree. I will use my spyglass. Look around, mainly in the direction that I believe the camp to be in. Okay, um, you make your way up a couple dozen feet in this tree to where the canopy lightens up a little bit, and you see what looks like a small stone's throw away, a large clearing with a couple, like, ramshackle hut-ish things look like they're put together from the panels off of sides of wagons the bottom of the wagons making up some poor excuse for a roof filled with bows from the pine trees in the area around you and through the camp um, you see a couple towers that are mostly like probably a cart tipped up on its end with some sort of slatting to make a ladder to climb up and get a higher vantage point. And off to the southeast corner is quite an interesting sight to behold. There appears to be one trade cart smashed into the top of another at like a 90-ish degree angle, forming a bit of a throne-esque design with a knoll larger than you have ever seen. You would imagine, you know, especially because they are in kind of this cart throne. You've got some things to give a base measurement off of, about probably eight and a half to nine feet tall. And sitting kind of, I mean, curled is the wrong term to use for something as beastly as this, but sitting curled up next to this cart throne is a large wolf-ish looking creature. It's a quadruped, a canine-esque, ugly-ass face, matted, scraggly fur, probably gnawing on the bones of... You've got a spyglass, so I'll just give it to you. It looks like it's actually gnawing on the bones of a knoll. Oh, lovely. Maybe maybe a little bit of meat left on there, big haunch. You also see another one of those creatures. You had seen just the night before. Skin barely hanging on. You can see skeletal bones. And throughout the rest of the camp, on those towers, you see a couple... Like each, each tower has a knoll standing on the top of it with a bow and a small supply of arrows... You see a couple other gnolls meandering through the camp. Uh, 
just based on your count from your vantage point, you believe there to be probably nine gnolls. Nine out and about, possibly more inside the structure. Yeah, I mean, you, you haven't seen any enter or leave. Now, kind of breezed over it, but we've got to talk about this, this gnoll a little bit. As your spyglass passes over this thing, it breaks. You have a cold chill just, just shake your whole body. This is a very large knoll, but everything about him that you can see is skeletal. There, there, there may be some hair and fur like growing down along his his back to, to be a bit of a mane and grasped in his hand is this large spear that has like it's a gnarled black twisted shaft and sticking out of the skull is a darkened spear blade and you can see veins of pulsating green light that run down the length of the spear and there almost seems to be kind of a black aura around him. So it it's almost unfortunate that this is Tempest doing the scouting because she hasn't gotten this feeling before the way that some of the other party members might. What is going through Tempest's head as she kind of pans her spyglass around this camp? Well, there's definitely going to be a feeling of, oh boy, he's big. And there's a few of them. And she's pretty much as soon as she's done scanning, going to slide back down the tree and start relaying all of the information, like gesture for everyone to come to the base of the tree and start going over. There's there's nine out and about. There's one really big one, one dog, one zombie-looking guy, again, like the one we killed. Just to help with this, when she gets to the bottom of the tree, Rim is already going to have his map laid out. Yes. So she can use it. I can point. And be very, very quiet. Tempest, did you make your way back down the tree? Can you go ahead and roll me a stealth check? <laughs> 18. So Tempest makes her way down this tree. Mm-hmm. As quietly as she can. Mm-hmm. And Rem has a map laid out on the forest floor, or is he just, just kind of holding it? No, he's got it on the floor. So, pointing at the map, there's one here. Don't mark as she's pointing. There were three around the fire in the middle. One on a watchtower way over there. One on a watchtower over there. And then over here, that's where the bone one is. Yeah. Okay. And then there's the big-ass one who's on Grimfang. a chair who I'm pretty sure is the big bad. He's going to write BBE over that. <laughs> big bad evil. BBEG. And then he's got what I'm assuming is his pet dog next to him, who is also big bad evil dog. Evil dog. I didn't see any more. There are structures that you've seen before, but there's got a couple a structures. There might be more in there. We don't know. We could separate out and take out the ones that are up on the watchtowers. But we also have to assume that they're going to be the first to, you know, call out and alert the rest of the people because that's their job. To retroactively describe, there's also like a kind of a P 
pit thing that's filled with bones and carcasses. Food bowl. So you guys as the party pretty much have free reign to pick where on this map people would like to enter this combat. After a minute of kind of, st- of, of study, Rim will kind of nod and then he'll be like, all right, here's the way I see it. Tempest, you, Frederick, and Toral are going to go to the west and try to sneak up behind the guard tower. Hold in position till you hear my horn blast and see the distraction that I believe Nina can create. Nina, you, Ariel, and Adriel will wait here. I will signal you, and when I do, I want you to do whatever you can to create a large distraction and Ariel and Adriel I'd like you to focus on this tower. Yeah, I'm good at making distractions. Uh, what's going to be the signal? Uh, it'll be a horn blast. You'll hear it. All right. I, Cargrim, and Rorik. Hi. We're going to circle to the south. Chest bump. We will attempt to take out the southern tower guard. Aye, you're making us walk all the way over there, huh? Well, I'd like to try to take out as many as possible as quick as possible. Anybody has a better idea for that, I'd be open to hearing it. As long as uh, I have a good line of sight and there's quite a few of them gripped together, I could probably uh, attack multiples at once. And uh, I am definitely have a few spells in mind for creating a distraction. But uh, at the same time, if you guys can make sure to line up uh, some of these bad guys for me, then I can definitely... I think we're going to go off of off of your cast will be the major visual that we can go off of. I'll give you the blast and then we'll wait to see. Everybody will be ready, and when you're ready, we'll go. Alrighty, that sounds good. And uh, Tempest, uh, if I could ask a favor, uh, if you happen to notice me setting uh, fire unnecessarily to the surroundings, if you could uh, possibly take care of that. I'll do what I can, but I kind of need a bucket of water to work with. So we might just have to wait until... Oh, that's fine. I just don't want to send anybody in the group on fire. damage (laughs) control. I'll keep an eye out. Will a water skin help? <laughs> and Ariel holds up her water skin. <laughs> sure, I'll take this. I'll keep an eye out. I'll do what I can. Yep, just just as a you know a morning just for the group. Just try not to set any of us on fire. And I'll try. Rim, Rim is going to look up no at promises. the sun. What about what time is it? Ish. Midday ish. So, seeing that the the sun is relatively directly above, Rim will say, "We're going to take a, a long way around. Everybody, be on your guard, but expect the the signal and." About an hour. I. It's a little while to wait. Well, this is going to be big. I don't want to chance alerting them ahead of time. No, you've you've got a point. We all uh, we all need to hang back until until about an hour's passed. And me and the boys got a long walk. Adriel, you know, pulls her pack back out, fishes that bottle out again from this morning, undoes the cork. Takes a little bit longer of a drag than she did the first time. Hands it off to the next person. You know, probably <laughs> be next to her to grab. <laughs> and she'll take a swig herself. She's she's a little bit nervous now that she knows that she's kind of going to be the uh, opening act to this big fiasco. <laughs> it helps with the nerves. And, you know. Yeah, nothing you know like what they say. Liquid courage. Yeah, liquid courage. A little bit of liquid fire. <laughs> I think we could all use a little bit of extra courage today. Unfortunately, it doesn't give us any like special buffs or anything. Yeah. Well, good luck, everyone. We'll do our best. She takes a bottle, shakes a little bit, holds it up towards the sun. It's like, hopefully I'll be drinking you the rest tonight. (sighs) Gotta save something for celebrating, right? Of course. 
God's willing, we'll see each other in a couple hours. Silence actually just hangs as everyone's <laughs> like thinking of the gravity of the situation, and Adriel just looks at all of you and is like, "Well, uh, I'm in the group that's staying here, right? Uh, yeah. So I guess yeah, it's not up to me to head out. Uh, Keep hey. an eye on them. Make sure that if they start to do anything fishy, we might be too far to see them. And she she looks over Tempest, just hey, try not to let them die, okay? I'll do my best. And, uh, and she looks over at uh, at Rorik and Corgrim, and she's like, "Hey, try not to let him die, okay?" <laughs> she looks over at at Ariel and Kanina. Try not to let me die, okay? <laughs> <laughs> so is she telling them not to let me die? Yeah. Or is she, okay. <laughs> kind of like look at her for a second, and look over at them, and like, "Let's go, boys." I. And same same to you, Adriel. Don't let us die. <laughs> As everybody's leaving, Ariel's gonna grab her um, scroll necklace and hold it in her hand and pray to Kosein and uh, say, I trust you with this, and then cast Mage Armor with my sorcery point. Okay, um, everyone take your people, find your, your spot. So the party has all split up into three groups of three, all of them trying to find their most advantageous points in the forest around this knoll encampment. Is everyone in position in a way that they're happy with? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Well, having made his way with the with the twins around, Rim will check the sky again. He'll turn back to the dwarfs and in a very hushed voice say, say your prayers to whatever god you pray to. We're going to start. And he's going to turn around and pull out his horn quietly. He's going to think of Tempest. And he's going to go. <gasps> and then after taking another deep breath, he's going to think of Nina. And he, <gasps> and he's going to let the horn hang from its leather lanyard. He's going to draw the longbow that he has, knock an arrow, draw it back and him. I don't know what the guys are going to do because I don't control them. He's going to step out to where he has a clear line of sight of the tower guard and hold until he sees Nina's distraction before loosing his arrow. Okay, and then after hearing the horn, uh, Nina will go ahead and peek out from behind the tree that she's kind of been lurking and seeing the two gnolls in that lovely straight line away from her, she'll go ahead and cast Distant Spell and cast her Agonizar Scorcher to hit both of them. All right. Everyone go ahead and roll for initiative. Yes. Yes. Ariel. Seven. Kanina. Twelve. Rem. Seventeen. Tempest. Seventeen. The last second before we enter initiative is Kanina... So Kanina, hearing Rem's signal, uh, will go ahead and peek out from behind the tree, cast her mantle of flame upon herself, and wreathe herself in flames so flames will just kind of spark out from her skin and start swirling around her, and her eyes light up like little beacons as she kind of lines up her side on these two knolls that are lined up ever so perfectly. She'll go ahead and range her spell so that it hits twice as far. <laughs> and the sparks from around her 
glow brighter and shoot out in a huge line of fire, setting them alight. Well, that's going to be a four for the first one. Nice. And a 20 for the second one. Oh. <laughs> very nice. All right, so I got three sevens. That was very nice. So that's 21. I also, because I have Manta Flame on, get to add my Charisma mod to the damage. So that is plus four. So that is going to be a total of 25 damage. It makes sense that the second one is the one that saved because it, it hit the first one and then not as much fire made it to the second one. This uh, streak of fire comes roaring out and the first knoll that you see seems to have taken the brunt of this fire, soaking up most of the flames, bursts into fire and is killed before he even knew you were there. The second knoll is, uh, seems to have been a little bit protected by the knoll in front of him, though still takes a significant portion of damage. You see, he uh, he was like eating beforehand, and he drops the food and starts like jumping up and down, stamping like the ground and patting all over himself, trying to put out the the singed fur. I wonder if since they're around the campfire, if he thinks that like flames jumped off. So at this point, we officially enter the top of the initiative order because Kanina kind of started everything off. And because of all of the tactics, I wanted to let her have that first move instead of going into a full <laughs> surprise round. Adriel is first in the initiative. She is going to step out of the woods to where she can see the knoll up on this makeshift tower that was literally like 10 feet away from all of you. She's going to look at it, raising her warhammer into the air. She says something in Dwarven, and you see the tip of her hammer lighting up as she strikes in its direction and launches a bolt of light at it. Um, she is going to hit with a 17 on her guiding bolt. Ooh, a guiding bolt. And the knoll on this tower is going to have this light strike him in, like, the side of the rib cage. Is He wasn't expecting anything. He probably was turning to see the fire that just erupted behind him and got blindsided by this bolt of light and takes 12 damage. It is Frederick von Firebeard's turn next. And he is going to begin a low dwarven kind of droned chant. And the area around him begins to swirl with some positive energy and spirits. Um, looking a bit like dwarven Valkyries begin swarming around him. And he has cast Spiritual Guardians. He is choosing not to affect Tempest or Toril. He can't see anyone else, though, so he'll have to drop the spell when he gets in range of you guys. Next up, we have Grimfang, who was sitting in his throne, so is going to have to use half his movement to stand up and then difficult terrain to lumber down off of the cart. 
so he noticed? He noticed the large streak <laughs> of fire fly from this direction, and then Adriel did get out of the cover. Rem, it is your turn. Tempest, you're on deck. So Rem will, having seen the fire, the streak of fire, and knowing that was the last part of the signal, will loose the arrow that he has been holding, which is a 20. 20 will hit. Max damage. That is 11 points of damage to the knoll on the tower. He's actually getting an attack from behind the knoll, so this knoll probably has a arrow like rip through his shoulder meat sticking out a little bit on the other other side of him and is very confused turns and looks in Ram's direction do you have more yeah I'm gonna I'm going to move towards him two squares uh, and while moving he's gonna be drawing another arrow and knocking it and getting ready to fire on his next turn and that will be all he does this turn it is now tempest's turn tempest is going to uh, step out from behind the tree that she was hiding behind and take a, an extra second as she looks out and knocks an arrow to really focus and concentrate on where she's trying to hit and say bonus action. Use Slayer's Prey and focus my eye and shoot the arrow. That's a 19 to hit. A 19 will hit. Okay. Kill him. Unlike Rem, I rolled minimum damage. <laughs> so, nine points of damage. Is that the end of your turn? <laughs> yeah. Next up is the knoll that Rem had just attacked, who was wielding a bow and was turning in Rem's direction after this sudden arrow came out from behind him. Rem moved even closer to him, making his target very clear draws back and releases an arrow. Does a 15 hit? No. Glances off the chainmail under the shirt, exposing it to the sun. And he grunts, pulls back a second time, and releases a second arrow at Ram. He's gonna miss with a 9. Next up is Corgrim, who's actually going to delay so he can move in the initiative order. Next up is the Warg, who spends half its movement to stand up and confusedly is looking towards the south, towards the north, and towards the northwest because there are now enemies all around and he doesn't have a good way to go for any of them. Though his master had started moving in one direction with his other part of movement, he's going to pretty much stay in step with Grimfang. Next up is another one of the gnolls who action had started happening behind him. This knoll is going to turn towards the northwest and rush off 60 feet using his dash into the direction of Tempest's group. Next up is going to be Rorik and Corgrim. Together. That's why he delayed to move into initiative order. Of course, the twins. So yeah, they basically weave their way through the little bit of a trail that they were still down, making their way over towards the tower, of which Rem has already said he may kill the creature before they can do anything. But now they are closer to the action. And I imagine that um, during Corgrim's initial turn, he just goes, 
Are you ready, brother? Next up is the undead-looking gnoll that is going to rush over towards the flaming thing in the trees and has actually just enough movement to reach Kanina. It has a wooden club that it kind of drags as it's moving forward and just whips around into the trees. Um, you do still get your half cover, so that was plus two to the AC. And it got a natural one oh, okay. with its club attack. And then in frustration, it starts snapping its jaws into this tree as well. Followed up with a natural two. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I make a very intimidating presence. They don't they don't connect, so it doesn't deal any damage, right? Nope. That is the end of the uh undead Knoll's turn. Kanina, you're up next. Oh, nice. So seeing this Knoll run up and try to hit her, she's gonna go ahead and cast Burning Hands. So she'll go ahead and hold her hands out with my thumbs touching and Aim it at the knoll in front of me and the one end behind him. <laughs> and both of the knolls have to do a uh, deck saving throw. Well, this deck can go fuck itself. There's another natural one on that oh, wither no. And oh, so that's a 17. So that one saves. The dex was 14. So one fail, one saves. I'm going to go ahead and use my ring of the evoker to reroll one dice. 18 damage. 18 damage on the undead one, and so it would be 9 on the one in the tower. Kanina probably has a slightly unnerving grin on her face, because <laughs> she does very much enjoy using her fire spells, probably a little too much. So, um, what little flesh matter was left on this undead knoll burns off, and you leave bones in its place and um the knoll on the tower is like barely hanging in there at this point is that the end of kanina's turn yes ariel you're up <laughs> all right so she moves to the left and she points up at the tower and she speaks in celestial and some little firebolt comes out of her finger straight at him. Is that an attack roll or is that a save? I have to roll to hit. It's an attack roll. You get advantage. 21 to hit. Uh, that, that'll hit. How dead is this knoll? It's a seven. Very confused, like suddenly a group of adventurers had swarmed out of the forest right next to his watchtower. He thought he was doing such a good job watching. Um, multiple attacks from every single person involved. Multiple bits of fire. This Knoll Watchman falls over off the back of his tower. Also dead. Did he even get a turn yet? No. <laughs> Is that the end of your turn? Yeah. This Knoll that still has yet to act that was near the fire pit um, could, could be considered lucky going last and also not being dead yet, turns around looking multiple directions and sees some targets have actually come within range. <laughs> He's going to go after the twins. And with his spear is going to thrust twice at Corgrum. I mean, it was close, but a 16 is not going to hit. 
Ooh, though a 20 is going to hit. He found that that little bit of a of a slot, yep, in the armor that he could jab the head of this spear into for max damage of 10 damage, thrusting into his leg with both hands. Next up is Toril's turn, who is very green to these kind of situations and is going to continue aiding in the more defensive and staying back approach. He's going to summon a spiritual weapon. He's actually going to cast it within range of one of the gnolls that is coming at you guys and make a melee spell attack against him. And is going to hit with a 23. 18 on the die. So is going to take six damage from the spiritual warhammer that she has summoned. After Toril's turn is going to be Adriel. It is now round two of combat. Round two. Who is going to have Grimfang is charging right in front of her. She's actually going to take a step back and cast a, another usage of Guiding Bolt at Grimfang. And unfortunately, she's going to roll like shit, and a 10 is going to miss. Frederick is up next, who is going to come out from the trees, get his shield up, and stand within a range that they will begin taking damage on their monster. Next, it is Grimfang's turn. Grimfang is going to slowly and almost glidingly make his way across the field. He is going to, with that spear, lunge out once with it at Adriel's direction. She's going to get her shield up in the way, kind of shoving the tip of the spear off to the side. He's going to draw back and try and break through the side of her block. And that one will finally hit with a 19. Oh, that was bad for her. Oh, no. No. Oh. Adriel is going to take 16 points of damage Ow. as this spear like pushes through her block and catches her in the shoulder. Kina, yes. go ahead and roll perception. That is a uh, natural 20 plus 2, so 22. You would obviously be keeping track of the battle going on around you. You see this attack go through and manage to spear Adriel in the shoulder. And you swear that as the spear tip makes contact with her blood, that you see it turn black and travel along the shaft of the spear following those green pulses. And he pulls his spear back and you just hear this airy, it seems I'm the one with first blood today. Rem, it is your turn. Rem is going to loose the arrow that he knocked last turn. That is 14. 14 will hit. All right. So that's going to be four damage. The knoll, like, it's like you skinned some some knuckle skin off with with that arrow. Looks down and sees a bunch. <laughs> Begins drawing back the next arrow. Rem is going to move him and the boys are on opposite sides of the tower. And for his bonus action, he's going to stow his arrows, or his bow. 
Okay. End of your turn. End of my turn. Tempest, it is your turn. Okay. It's been a couple seconds to reach back and grab another arrow <laughs> while everything is going on around her. And she's still still all squinty-eyed. <laughs> Aiming again at the the one up on the power. Finish it off. That's not good. Those are a nine. A nine to hit is unfortunately not going to hit. Okay, uh, so it is now the Knoll who Rem keeps trying to stick arrows into's turn. Hey, I got him both times. Is going to turn over and follow Rem as he had moved around the tower that he's on and loose an arrow in Rem's direction. Does an 18 hit? Yes, currently. Rem is going to take 10 points of damage, maximum damage. Ouch. And then I'm guessing that the uh, 22 yes, that will hit <laughs> for another seven points of damage. Okay, the warg is going to come around to the other side of Ariel and Kanina's group, right up to Ariel, trying to help his master out and snap out at her. A 23 to hit? Yeah, a 23 hits. For nine points of damage, make a strength saving throw. 12. The force of this warg's charge and the strength of its bite knocks you prone. Oh, this is the one that's going to take spiritual guardian damage. Wisdom saving throw. Fails the wisdom saving throw and takes 3d8. <laughs> Rolled amazing damage, and that null is going to die after taking 21 points of damage from this. Corgram and Rorik have the perfect opportunity to become flanking buddies. Um, I believe that one was the one I said was Rorik. Moves around to the other side of the knoll that they had charged up to, getting himself a plus two to swing with his mighty warhammer. Uh, he is going to hit with a 22 for eight points of damage. And then it's going to be Corgram's turn. <laughs> the same exact uh, uh, attack roll for another 23 because of getting the flanking bonus and is going to deal five damage, which is enough to smash this Knoll's skull in and beat it into the ground like a railroad spike. Effective. And Kanina, it is your turn. So, seeing Ariel is in peril, the Kanina will go ahead and cast Agnazar's Scorcher at the ward. Uh, you said that was a deck saving throw? Yep. Ooh, nine on the die. That's going to be a 10. Ooh, okay, yes. The attack save was 14. So he is going to take 3d8 fire damage. Roll good. You could just one-shot him. I'm going to go ahead and re-roll one of my dice using my Ring of the Evoker. Okay, so 12 initially, plus my Charisma is another 4. So he's 16 but I'm done. You're done? Okay, Ariel, it is your turn. So I'm going to use half my movement stand. Bonus action, I'm gonna chug one of my potions. 11, so I get all of my health back. (laughs) Wow. And then after she does that, luckily she had it like on hand. She just like reached into her bag, 
popped it real quick and at the same time her other hand was icing up and she casts frostbite on the floor and he's got to roll a constitution saving throw. Ooh, that's like the total opposite as the last roll. An 18. Yeah, he saves. So she was like focusing on like uncorking and getting it drank that it just didn't work. <laughs> Is there even space for me to move if I wanted to over by Nina? Yeah. I'm gonna risk it. I'm gonna I'm gonna risk going away from the fort. Okay, you will take that attack of opportunity against you. Yeah, I'm just gonna hope roll off. Well, luckily he doesn't crit on a 19 to 20. That's gonna be a 24 to hit. Yeah, that hits. She takes nine points of damage. <laughs> Make a strength saving throw. Damn it. <laughs> uh, 18. Okay, you are not knocked prone. Thank God. Oh, so do I, that means I get my movement. Sweet. So it's the next Noel's turn, who is in Frederick Von Firebeard's uh, spiritual defender aura thing, and means he's going to make a wisdom saving throw. And rolling a four isn't going to help. So he's got seven hit points, <laughs> and it's 3d8. <laughs> <laughs> One. Mm-hmm. Six hit points. One. What? Five hit points. <laughs> Five. <laughs> wow. <laughs> okay, and there is one, one left. Um, yeah, it's basically time for everyone to dogpile Grimfang. <laughs> no, there's still, there's still a guy up in his tower. Well, next is Toral's turn. And there's literally not any other combatants that she, actually that she can even see because literally there's a building here blocking Grimfang in the warg, and there's a building there blocking the one in the tower. I'm sure she she hears stuff going yeah, on. She, though. She's gonna just make her her double move. Yeah, that's the problem. None of us over here can get line of sight without double moving, which means we have to wait. <laughs> another round to make any At attacks. least it's, it's getting shorter, though, the whole initiative. Everything's gonna be dead. <laughs> She's going to, to move and then use her action to dash to move 50 feet into the camp and also use her bonus action to move her spiritual weapon 20 feet closer to her. And then next up is going to be Adriel, who was not looking so hot and is in quite the predicament for herself. I'm sorry, Adriel. Well, after feeling the full brunt of Grimfang's weapon, she's going to go for the five, take the attack of opportunity. Come on, Adriel. The 17 is just going to miss her oh like it's as it's like yeah she steps he's thrusting with the spear and she managed to like punch it off to the side with her shield so that was five ten twenty five get over to like the other side of everything with her move and she is going to action cure wounds at a level to cure herself nine hit points Frederick's going to move. He is going to move 50 feet into the camp 
and he is really hoping that nothing's going to show up to ambush Tempest at this point. <laughs> Come with us. We're going into the camp. I'll be right behind you. <laughs> it is Grimfang's turn. The angry knoll does still see the fire in these trees. Takes a couple steps forward and thrusts his spear into the trees where Kanina is. So his first spear attack is going to miss with a natural one. And the five for a ten is not going to be much better, is it? Nope. Rem, it is your turn. Okay, so Rem, because he stowed the, the bow, he's going to move forward uh, towards where Grimfang and everybody is, the shortest path he can find. And as he passes the twins, he's going to he's gonna look at him and say, boys, and he's going to throw his thumb over his shoulder and say, kill him, pointing at the knoll on the tower. Aye! And then he's going to use his full movement and his uh, action to move 60 feet towards Grimfang while stay just outside of the 10-foot range. And then uh, for his bonus action, he's going to pop and drink his potion. Okay. Seven. Tempest, it's your turn. I'm just going to double move and hope that everything isn't dead by the time I get there. This, this knoll on the tower is going to get like one final attack. Crit one. Guess this guy's gonna go go over into timeout too. Rim didn't even look back; just sailed over. It's okay. He is going to hit with the twenty-three Ooh. to to get a one on the die for who? For Rorik to deal three damage. Um, the warg, all of his targets had moved, but another target has showed up. Is going to oh no! Back a I mean, Grimfang could have quite possibly killed Adriel on the next next attack, so she's taken this punishment instead. Um, so yeah, the warg is going to move five feet towards Adriel and try and bite. Uh, so the problem is when you roll a bunch of dice, crit ones happen a lot. Now, what's weird is I haven't gotten a crit 20 on any of these to balance out the, like, seven crit ones I've rolled tonight. So he missed. Yeah, so that's Thank that's going to be a miss. Um, okay, so Rorik is going to, I guess he'll just sacred flame because climbing a ladder and swinging a, a war hammer doesn't make much sense. Okay, dexterity saving throw. Yeah, Corgrim and Rorik are both going to do some sacred flames. And the 13 is going to fail the first deck save against Rorik's Sacred Flame, which dealt eight damage and fried him. Rim's kind of smiling like an evil smirk as he hears that death behind him that he left. So Corgrim is going to move around the battlefield to the other side of his brother and, you know, does an arm grass as they walk. Good job, brother! Kanina's turn, and the only living combatants being Grimfang and his warg. How far away is the warg from me? Ten-ish feet. And there's nothing between me and the warg? Um, there is a barricade in between you and a dead, undead knoll. Well, that- Alright, I am going to go ahead and cast Twin Spell, which will allow me to target two creatures using a spell that doesn't have range of self and that doesn't already target multiple creatures. So I'll spend a sorcery point to do that. Okay, and I will go ahead and use Firebolt to basically whip out both of my arms in the directions that I can see them in. And 
23. Yep, that, that hits. Okay. That hits a lot of things. <laughs> okay. So we'll just focus on Grimfang for now. 14. Alrighty. Second will be 21. Uh, that'll hit. So that's going to be uh, 10 damage. Alrighty. That streak of fire at the warg, you know, like bored through his chest cavity and he falls down dead. The only enemy combatant at this point is Grimfang. Let's see if you guys can kill him before he kills one of you. <laughs> so it is Ariel's turn. Kill him. Ariel has 30 feet. Is there a way for her to get through so she doesn't have disadvantage on her attack? You can you can just barely squeeze through the trees. Okay, so yeah, that's what she's going to do. Use all your movement to get to the very edge of the map. And uh, she's going to say light upon you in Celestial and snap her fingers. Then she's going to not feel anything coming from Kosein and pray for favorite of the gods. <laughs> yeah, no. And then she's going to use her inspiration. <laughs> Come on. Nope. Oh, no. Even worse, so no. Okay, so Ariel pulled out all the stops and they kept on stopping. Yeah, she's super flustered from that. She's been hit by a bear before and now she's like getting smacked by the dog. <laughs> she's gonna spend her free action praying to Kosein. Okay, next up is Toril, who is going to spend all of her movement to continue trying to get across the battlefield and also slowly drag her spiritual weapon behind her. And she's going to get all the way over to just a little bit behind Rem. It is back around to Adriel's turn, who is going to do another first level cure wounds on herself. Oof, for five points. And after that is going to be Frederick. And Frederick heads into one of the huts to see what's going on inside because no one has investigated the sheds, even though they have been quiet. Next up is Grimfang. Um, Ariel made herself known and tried to do something to him of which he knows he, uh, he resisted or that it missed, but he doesn't know what it was. Oh no. Step down and make an attack against her. Does a nine hit? No. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> so oh, the no. dice have balanced themselves out. It's a natural 20. Oh, fuck, guys. There goes Ariel. <laughs> so he gets one more left damage. So that is seven piercing damage and one necrotic damage. But now you have witnessed this, this little trickle that runs up along the shaft of his spear. Rem, it is your turn. Rem is going to run forward to Grimfang, all the way up. He's going to run right behind him. As a bonus action, he is going to cast Divine Favor, and then he is going to swing with his now glowing war pick. Or... 12. A 12 is not going to hit as it glances off of one of the studs in his leather armor. All right. Nothing happens. Then. But it sticks around, huh? Yeah, for a minute. Tempest, it is your turn. Tempest runs up and now gets all squinty-eyed at the really big one. And is going to try and shoot at him around Rem. 
Uh, 15. A 15 will hit. Yay. 14. 14 points of damage. Woo woo. Kanina, it's your turn. Uh, Kanina's going to go ahead and... But but is she still in range of Grimfang's pokey stick? Currently, yes. Okay. Um, Well, I guess she won't leave the range of it, but she'll go ahead and go in a straight line towards Ariel. So she's one block farther away. So she's going to go ahead and cast her last Agonizar Scorcher at Grimfang. That is a nine on his deck save. I'm going to go ahead and use my Ring of the Evoker to reroll one spell die. 20 damage. Oh boy. Dead yet? He's not, but he is getting very, very bad right now. He's in a bad way. Kanina, having seen that he uh, is trying to threaten Ariel over there, she'll kind of move herself forward and line herself up and kind of will up the last of her big spell energy and throw uh, Agonizar Scorcher his way, lining up a line of fire straight through him and singeing quite a bit of his fur. What little he has of it. <laughs> I imagine that mane you said that he had that was going down his like skeletal spine will just like kind of floof into fire. Ariel, it is your turn. Ariel's been praying for the last six seconds and she's just like, Please, Kosein, help me with this one. And she's gonna say her celestial again and snap her fingers and try for level two guiding bolt. I give up. That's a natural one. So once again, Ariel's just feeling over in over her head right now, feeling a little bit neglected by Kosein. <laughs> so uh, Toril is going to to join up with the ranks of the dwarves. Well, there's no one in there. He makes his way out of this this shack. It is now Grimfang's turn once again. I want you to hit me. Does a 20 hit? Yes. Six points of piercing damage and four points of necrotic damage. Does a 16 hit? No. I got my shield now. It is now Rem's turn. Okay, so Rem will attempt to strike with his glowing war pick yet again. Uh, I'm going to use my inspiration. 11 on my attack, which was three better than what I rolled the first time. Um, That comes around to Tempest. I'm still squinting at him. Uh, Tempest is going to shoot him again. 16 to hit. A 16 will hit. No questions this time. It's It's a nice even hit. Seven. He's still hanging in there. Kenina, it is your turn. All right. Whip out the sword. Seeing that he is quite injured at this point. Um, and it is my strength or my dex bonus. Whichever one's better. And I guess, you know, having her mantle the flame on, she'll almost like project flames to go around the sword. There probably won't be too much because they don't go too far from her, but she'll step forward right towards Grimfang and swing with her full strength with the sword. You do still get a plus two for flanking with Rem. <gasps> oh, yes. And isn't it a masterwork sword? Yeah. So you also get another plus one to hit. Okay. That's a 19. Okay, so 19, 22, 23. Yeah, okay. Okay, so my damage. Okay, let's see. It's it's my full strength sword hit against Grimfang enough to kill him with four damage. It's not. Damn it. 
Can't roll perception. Ding dice. Hey, I'm yeah, going to yeah. use an inspiration. Five. Okay. Um, is this the first time that Kane has ever struck something with a sword? Yes. Okay. You feel a faint tingling in your hand. To accurately describe it, have you ever had an aluminum baseball bat and struck oh, like something wood? That hurt. Yeah, kind of like that. <laughs> Reverberation almost. She's, you know, uh, a caster. She doesn't really use melee weapons to begin with. Uh, so she's also probably holding it in a very awkward stance, but holding it much like a person with a baseball bat would. Using it almost like a swing, just trying to make sure the sharp pointy end is kind of toward him. And basically swinging with her, her strength because she's not doing any kind of finesse with this. <laughs> so she hits him and just by the, br like the brute force alone, she's hitting him and damaging it. But that's pretty much it. Ariel, it is your turn. Uh, so Ariel is gonna just like half-heartedly light upon you and with like a question mark and snap. Thank God! <laughs> 21 is the hit. When she snaps her fingers this time, Radiant Lightning is gonna shoot towards him. And it's going, it's going to look like, like a glowing celestial script, like spinning around him for 17 damage. All right, Ariel, how do you want to do this? Yeah. The, so the, the script floats around him and like attaches on, onto him and starts glowing. And then he is just incinerated from the, like, and with a uh, radiant light. He crumbles into ash, leaving nothing behind. What about a spear? Nothing behind but a blackened spear that appears to be wisping off of black smoke. Rim will cast Detect Magic on the spear. Fuck yeah, it's magical. <laughs> He's looking for school. Uh, necromancy? Nobody touched that. Uh, I, th I think we remember what happened last time we touched something that looked... Uh quite as interesting as that. Ariel will take off her robe and lay it over the spear, spin it so that way we can hold it without actually touching it. And then she'll pick it up and be careful with it. Yeah, Tanina will go ahead and like hold up the sword above her head and just be like, yeah, we did it. Kanina, I guess we'll, we'll go ahead and grab a bag of ash. She'll scrape as much of Grimping's remains as she can into a little pouch. Tie it to the we sword. We look at the dwarves and we're like, <laughs> You'll vouch for us, right? <laughs> Everyone go ahead and roll perception. Ariel. Six. Kanina. Eight. Rem. Sixteen. Tempest. Twenty-one. Uh, Tempest. Mm -hmm. As Kanina is kind of looking at the sword and the sunlight, now that everything is settled down, you notice a glint across the blade near the hilt of it that you hadn't noticed before. It's almost like it's got a faint white scripted glow to it. Well, that's weird. Also, is there any other magical items within 30 feet of me? Them, the the uh, the items that they received from the king and the sword that Kanina is holding. Okay. And if I concentrate on the sword, what, what school do I see? I would hazard to guess just off the outset evocation. See, I want to go, like, take a look at it closer since I noticed, but I don't think I have the knowledge. I'd just be, like, looking at it like, ooh, shiny. So, you know, Rim, Rim will let Kanina know, hey, that's a, that's a, 
a magic sword you've got there. It's a... Oh, really? School of Evocation. Oh, I thought it was just nicely crafted. Yeah, maybe you can ask the, the smith himself what he did to it. Hey, we did what we, uh, we he asked us to do. We helped kill Grimfang with it, so... While Rim, because Rim's got Detect Magic going for 10 minutes, basically, he's going to make like a slow path around the entire encampment to see if he notices any other magical words. Okay, magic right here. He'll wander over to that area and start kind of like shifting stuff out of the way to see what he can find that's magical. Uh, while we're doing this, Ariel's going to be walking around and making sure everybody's not needing any healing. Uh, Rem, what is your health? Rem is currently at less than half. Okay, and then uh, Adriel, is she at full now? Can she heal herself to full? I think she's close enough. Okay, then she's going to just make a comment to Rem and say, Hey, Rem, we both need a heal, and uh, I can... I can take 10 minutes when you're ready to get our health back up. I, I can heal myself too if you want to save some of that. I need to heal myself more than what my little heal does. So How, how, how much do you... How bad are you feeling? I'm 17 out of 34. He's going to grab your shoulder. He's going to look deep into your eyes and be like, you'll be fine. And you're going to get 17 points of healing. Okay. Okay, I'll just I'll just tell you tell you this up front. The, the one thing that's really pinging off magic for you in this pile... All sorts of schools and magic in one item. Okay. He's going to dig until he reaches that. Inside one of these crates, because th- this whole thing is like crates and barrels from carts that they have looted, you are going to find a staff. Go ahead and take that. How big is the ward head? Is that the only magical item that was there? That is the only magical item that is within the... And there was nothing in the in the pit of bone? No. He's also going to be, be using his eyes to look for like gold and things like that too oh yeah i mean we can go over over the loot um the warg head i mean it's large so it's like a 10 by 10 um think about the size of a lion's head okay i was thinking about taking the head and possibly the paws back as you know some sort of i don't know proof of combat we have defeated a significant creature so do you guys guys want to want to hear a little bit about loot stuff? Yes, yes. please. And note the uh, the dwarves that also risk their lives are probably going to want want like half of the half the gold out of this. Sixteen gems worth one hundred gold pieces each. Six hundred copper. Seven thousand silver. Thirteen hundred gold and eighty platinum. So not like trade goods or anything. Well, yeah, I mean sixteen gems. Well, I meant like no expensive furniture. Most or... of like the luxury stuff. You you can see as you've picked through some of this that there's like nice, probably multi-hundred gold piece tables that have been smashed and broken to pieces. You know, yeah. You look at the side of one of the shacks and it's like, that's a $15,000 hutch. And can I take the work head and pause? Sure thing. Thank you. And that's where we're going to end tonight. Yeah. <laughs> we did it, guys! Nobody died! We hope you have enjoyed this episode of Adventures in Aurelia. If you are liking what you hear, consider rating the show and leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. If you know someone who likes fantasy stories and think they might like the show, help them find us by showing them adventuresinorelia.com, where they can listen to episodes, read our blog, and find links to subscribe to the show. We are also available in your favorite podcast apps. 
If you'd like to support the show, you can donate to us monthly on Patreon at patreon.com slash adventures in Aurelia. $1 a month gets you access to all of our bonus content and helps us raise the funds needed to improve the show. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can send us an email to feedback at adventuresinarelia.com or you can join our Discord server at adventuresinarelia.com slash Discord. We'd love to hear from you. We'd like to thank BattleBards.com for allowing us to use their songs and sound effects in our production. If you would like to bring these sounds from the world of Aurelia to your home games, sign up for BattleBards Prime. Your BattleBards Prime subscription will give you access to a stream of all songs from their catalog, as well as 20% discount on all purchases. Use the coupon code Aurelia, that's E-R-Y-L-I-A, when signing up to get 15% off the cost of your subscription. Lastly, we'd like to thank the artists who allow us to use their music on our show. Kevin McLeod, in Incompetech.com, Tabletop Audio, Vin Swept, Sirenscape, Alexander Nakarada from Serpent Sound Studios, and Adrian Von Ziegler, Michael Gelfi, Derek and Brandon Feichter, and Scott Buckley. You can find links to all of these wonderful artists at adventuresinarelia.com slash music. Music